Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here, and this is my tag team partner, Don Chepke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don's ready with the handbells, so I'm going to go ahead with the announcement so we can begin our service. Um, exploring membership classes happen every first Sunday of the month. They are in the social hall, which is between the sanctuary and the gym. It's a tiny building, uh, right diagonally that way. It happens at 10 o'clock every first Sunday. It's for anyone who is um, potentially interested in joining our church all the way to this is my first day and I'm guessing on your first day you might be potentially interested in joining the church because it's a it's a fun place to be and we encourage you to come so first Sunday of the month that will be next Sunday in the social hall um, for those of you that have been coming to our classes and are considering joining the next big group that will join our church will be on May 15th in both worship services please put that on your calendar um, so that you can uh, join with that group if that date doesn't suit you of course you can join our church anytime um, we, we just do that uh, once a semester uh, with a big group that's interested in joining our church. Um, today we continue with our mission and worship theme. Um, each week we have an outside agency that supports our community come and speak to our church and then the music and the scripture and everything's wrapped around that particular uh, mission and today our guest is uh, Caroline Robertson. I bet many of you have uh, met Caroline on the way. She's uh, in the middle of a lot of things but she's primarily uh, the executive director of Greer Relief and she will be uh, speaking to us in that spot in the worship service. Um, in terms of mission and service as well, we have. Uh, I'd like you to bring $2 next week for every person in your family. And that goes to two very important things. One thing is the Mother's Day offering, which is to Epworth Children's Home. That is an uh, agency in Columbia. Been there for decades that helps people who, uh, helps children who have a broken home get a leg up, get to school, get a diploma, build their life up in a way that they could not. And uh, with every United Methodist in our conference giving a dollar next week. That will be critically important to helping them. The other dollar will help with um, uh, uh, Imagine No Malaria, which is another conference initiative, and it goes to all kinds of preventative measures to stop mosquitoes from biting young children in Africa, giving them malaria, and giving them a leg up. Um, so $2 for every member of your family will go a long, long way uh, next week in terms of helping two very important conference initiatives. Pictorial directory pictures are in the back, and you can, um, if the simplest packages are in the back, if you got a slightly bigger one, we have it in the office. And if you're one that got a rather large frame, uh, that's in the office as well. Adam Wycliffe is here today, and he's going to take pictures of people who did not, uh, were unable to come for the schedule time to make sure we get you in the directory, um, at least in there, because a picture is worth 100,000 words to me. To see your picture and your name under it is critically important. Adam will have you pose like this. He's just going he's just gonna get you together. He's going to take your picture. And that will be very, very simple and, and very important. If this is your first day and you think, how in the world am I not going to be in the directory? You're going to love it here. You're going to stay. Go ahead and take a picture. We'll get you in the directory uh, so that I know your name. Um, I think that is everything. So let's begin our worship service.
Join us with number 61 in your hymnal, Come Thou Almighty King. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. For this you shall come to judge the wicked and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. 
We now call our children forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. I'm so glad to see you guys today. What a beautiful day it is outside. Well, today, like Pastor Joe was talking about, um, this month we're focusing on local missions. What do you think of when you hear the word mission? something you're aiming for and as we as Christians we aim to share our faith um, share God's love and also you know um, by, you know basically by the things that we do we have different missions when I think of missions the first thing that always comes to my mind is traveling somewhere or supporting somewhere far away in need but we have people that live right in our community that are in a lot of need as well um, Greer is a wonderful community. I've lived here my whole life. I've gone to this church my whole life, and I've really felt God's love here in this community. Um, Greer Relief is um, an organization, and Miss um, Caroline Robertson is going to be talking about that a little bit more. It's been around since the 1930s. Um, people in Greer have been helping those in the community um, with you know, their homes, keeping their power on, keeping them warm, keeping them fed. Um, and so those are different ways that we can reach out to, to people in our community. So one thing that I want to talk to you about, um, Grew Relief, their sort of motto is, every neighbor matters. And with that in mind, um, it brought scripture to my mind from Matthew 22. And this is where Jesus talks about the greatest commandment. Okay, So I'm going to read that to you. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So first, we, we love God. And then we love our neighbor. That's when he's saying neighbor, he means others. So we want to put others, you know, just as we would ourselves. So when I was thinking about that, I thought about mission and what God wants us to do on a daily basis. We can't always go and travel to somewhere far away and help those in need, right? And how we can live our everyday life. And in my house, I have two young boys. Most of y'all probably know Tom and Graham. We read David and Goliath a lot. Y'all may even remember Tom was um, David for Halloween. That's one of his favorite um, stories. So we read that a lot, and I started thinking about symbolism. And what is a symbol? Do you guys know what a symbol is? A symbol is Yes, you can have symbolism in writing, maybe something that represents something. We have the cross as Christians that represents Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Um, and 
the one thing that, if you're familiar with the story in David and Goliath, David basically goes up and against Goliath, who was, you know, feared um, by the Israelites. And he was just a, a small shepherd boy. Um, nobody, people laughed at him, didn't think that he could, you know, defeat Goliath. So I th he basically defeated Goliath with a simple stone. Um, he, he shot Goliath and, and hit him on the head and, um, and defeated him. And the, the stone has a, a big representation in this story. And the symbol behind this stone is that he had God protecting him. And he used the stone to do God's work. So I'm going to give each of you a stone today. And not to go sling it at somebody, but you're going to use the stone. If, if you have this stone, you can keep it in a special place if you have a rock collection or um, you want to keep it in your pocket. But I want you to think of this as a symbol of how will you use your stone to do God's work? How will you use your stone as mission work? Um, and many of you already do that, and your parents do that. So this is a symbol to remind you of how you can be mission-oriented and spread God's love in your faith um, in, your, in your everyday lives. So let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us and protecting us and for giving us the knowledge and the strength and the opportunity to show your love and spread our love um, to others in our neighborhood and our local community and all over the world. Um, we thank you for this day and we ask that you continue to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While she hands us that, I'll tell you um, very quickly, a dear friend of mine, uh, Michael Turner, is a minister at Advent on Woodruff. He grew up going to Victor with his grandmother around the corner. And when he learned that I would come here, he said, you won't ever serve a church in a community like this one, where you can truly be one of the community pastors and have a deep impact. You can go lots of um, important places, meet lots of important people who are dedicated to this community. And um, 10, 11 months in, he couldn't be more accurate. I've gotten to do a number of tremendous things and go to a number of different meetings, meet a number of different people. And um, pretty much every time I'm there, Caroline is there. And I'm going to call um, Caroline up uh, to speak to us on behalf of Greer Relief. Again, this emphasis is um, part of a greater vision of mine to simplify everything we ask of you here inside the walls of Memorial while maintaining excellence so that we can go out and help people like Caroline. Good morning. I want to thank you for inviting me here today and for your part in nourishing the needs of our community and serving as faithful disciples by learning just a little bit more about other organizations in Greer. Um, but starting at the beginning, as she stated, we've been around for a little while. Uh, Greer Relief was founded in 1936 during the Great Depression by neighbors who saw neighbors freezing and starving. FDR called them the uplifters. They cared enough to make a difference 80 years ago. Today, we continue their mission with our promise that every neighbor matters. 
The mission of Greer Relief is to prevent hunger and homelessness in the greater Greer area. Already this year, we've assisted 1,748 people. We continually track and assess the services we provide and the resources we distribute to ensure we are nourishing our community, but it is our neighbors and their personal stories that are truly the inspiration for why we do what we do. Greer Relief focuses on three services. One-stop access, safety net, and stabilizing services. The one-stop access is the J. Vern Smith Center. If you've walked in the door, you know there's lots of different things going on under that roof at 202 Victoria Street in downtown Greer. Far too many people struggle to meet their basic needs. The process of getting medical assistance, buying food, making ends meet, and even just knowing where to go for help can be confusing, intimidating, time-consuming, and embarrassing. One-stop access to agencies at the J. Vern Smith Center helps remove these obstacles, bringing people closer to stability and closer to self-sufficiency. In 2015, eight different organizations provided services to the community to answer the struggle by providing medical assistance, food, financial assistance, nutrition education, job counseling, relationship intervention, and referrals for more. The second is safety net services. In many ways, America is the land of plenty, but according to Feeding America, for one in seven Americans, hunger is still a reality. Right now, 20.5 million Americans live in extreme poverty. This means a family of four's cash income is about 11,000 a year, and Greer is no exception to that rule. In the last 10 years, Greer Relief has prevented homelessness by providing direct financial assistance of rent, mortgage, and utilities to 6,768 households for a total of over a million dollars in direct assistance preventing homelessness. And you guys have been a big part of that through your support of Greer Relief. Did you know that if a utility service is disconnected, it is grounds for eviction, so a family can be actually kicked out on the street for not having power. And if a landlord doesn't do it, it's not because it's not because the law is in his way, it's because the law actually says he has to kick him out. It's because his heart told him not to. Adding resources is not just about money. It definitely helps, but it's bigger than that. For example, your help with this year's Leadership Greer Class of 36 project, they're breaking records by raising over $20,000 for three projects for three organizations. Greer Relief will receive an 8x8 walk-in refrigerator, giving us the capacity to keep fresh food on site for hunger assistance. Because right now we rely strictly on non-perishable items. Those are canned goods. And when you, all you get when you come to Greer Relief canned goods, you're missing a lot of what really is truly helpful and nourishing to the family. And we receive donations on a regular basis, but every time we get them, it's a rush, let's get it out before it goes bad. So now we're going to be able to actually sustain those resources that we're receiving and actually give them out to our neighbors with the food boxes. And then lastly is stabilizing services. 
Just last week, Greer Relief wrapped up the 2016 VITA program, providing free income tax preparation for households making 54,000 or less. Almost 250 households have been assisted bringing to this community just under $300,000 for free. In 2015, Greer Relief received a grant for a full-time volunteer to focus time on developing and implementing two new concept programs. The first program is a collaboration with Loaves and Fishes and Greer Community Ministries. The Greer Food Co-op has been designed to serve anyone in need and to do so in a way that promotes community, individual dignity, participation, and ownership of the co-op. Individuals are eligible for membership if they are currently a neighbor in need from Greer Relief or Greer Community Ministries, and if they have difficulty obtaining enough food for their household. We have 18 members with 55 household uh, with 55 members in their household. The second new program is Renew, an enrichment program reaching every neighbor every way. Renew classes teach job, personal finance, life, and soft skills to anyone, yes, anyone, who wants to participate. Consider this your invitation to come and participate in a Renew class. We would love to have you. Renew is taking neighbors in need to neighbors who thrive. The impact of Greer Relief is clear. We've assisted 3,927 people last year alone with one-stop safety net and stabilizing services. We have shifted with the needs of the community to continue to be a strong impact. We self-assess, seek input and assessment from outside partners, and keep our ear to the ground for coming challenges and changes, all to make the programs we offer better for our community. Greer Relief only employs five people. And with that, and everybody provides some sort of direct service through their, um, direct, through their daily activities. But an average of over 50 volunteers a month is the reason we're able to do what we do. We're always looking for neighbors who want to make a difference. We partner with other nonprofits in the community to band together, share resources, and enhance the impact. We have opportunities for volunteers, donors, and neighbors to get involved. But I'll leave you today with a challenge. A challenge to pay attention. There is poverty all around us. I'm not talking about the guy who stands on the corner with a sign telling you he needs help. I'm talking about your neighbor who sits next to you in church who was at Greer Relief on Friday. Ask questions. What can I do? How can I help? Plug into our blessed community of organizations for ways and places to help. Organize a food drive, collect coats and shoes, join a gleaning to pick produce for our neighbors in need, lead a renew class, find something to be passionate about. Think outside the box. And then lastly is continue to be the caring citizens that you are. Continue to be compassionate. Continue to be sensitive. It's hard to live in poverty, poverty with the stigma of being the poor family, the one with the old clothes, the ones always asking for help. It's awkward. 
Again, be caring, compassionate, be sensitive. When we help each other, we help ourselves. Because in Greer, every neighbor does matter. Thank you very much. First scripture lesson is from Genesis chapter 32 verses 3 through 11. It's on, it starts on page 51 and most of it's on page 52. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob said, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord. 
that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faith faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with the children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Sorry. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful for a place where we may come and worship. So grateful for inspiring music in so many different forms. Grateful for the texts that bring the story alive for us. And we ask that you help us to focus this morning. To focus upon a text that we've heard many times to hear it a new way today in terms of anxiety in terms of scarcity in terms of abundance in terms of your table bless our reading of the word Lord that we may make this story our story that we may understand it from all angles that we may be truly concerned for the welfare and the food of those around us. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And if you will pass the attendance sheet uh, down your row so that people may sign in. If you're a guest today and would like us to contact you, we encourage you to leave whatever form of contact you would like to leave and we'll contact you that way.
please be seated. The handbells are wrapping up their commitment for the program year, and so we'll see them again in the fall. And we're grateful for all your hard work all uh, school year long, and thank you for playing. I've never had a contemporary service and a traditional service in the same day, in the same morning. I've never done that before here. Um, had them in different parts or different days or the music today with uh, Anderson uh, I'm just going to use this one the music today with the Anderson band uh, college students and then the handbells is just uh, the women last week and the men this week it's, it's inspiring here and I'm, I'm grateful to be here with all these wonderful musicians Caroline thank you for sharing your uh, story with us the text today is Matthew 14, starting with verse 13. And it's found on page 1520 in your pew Bible. And if you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to keep it open as I read different parts of it. Um, I don't announce it every week, but we have copies of the sermon in the back. You can grab them on the way in if you're hard of hearing uh, and the microphone is doing something weird. Uh, you can have a copy of the sermon and follow along. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Of course, first question we have to ask when we're reading this text is when Jesus heard what? What was the news that he heard that caused him to want to pull away from everyone and have time on his own? His partner in ministry, John the Baptist, is gone forever at the whim of a king. That king was married in sort of a sketchy way. And John the Baptist, being a prophet that he is, told the king, I don't think what you did was right. The king's new bride, of course, didn't like that uh, being said about her nor their relationship. And so she was just hoping for an opportunity to take John the Baptist out. When they had an enormous banquet, lots of food, more food than you could ever imagine, probably threw away a bunch of food. Her daughter danced, and she danced in such a way that the king said, I'll give you anything you want. She's a young woman. She doesn't know anything she wants. She says to her mother, what do I want? And her mother says, this is a perfect opportunity. I'd like the head of John the Baptist. And from that enormous party, an incredibly important person who had led a number of people to Jesus is gone in an instant. And hearing that his dear friend in ministry is gone has made Jesus very sad. And he wants to go out on his own. I'll be traveling Tuesday afternoon to visit with friends uh, who were all dear friends of Reverend Chris Barrett, who served most recently here in Spartanburg, who was one of our dear friends uh, who died this winter. And we just want to be around each other and encourage each other. Of course, laugh as hard as we possibly can and remember what he meant to us and what we can do in his name. When you lose someone, you've got to think, okay, that thing has to continue to happen. Which parts of each of us is going to pick that up? 
So Jesus feeling the loss of his friend and being thrust to the forefront of this new revolution of the interpretation of this word wants to go out on his own. I don't know how many of you have wanted to just go out away from everybody for just five seconds. Can I just get away from everybody for just five seconds? And when he does, he's followed by thousands of people who want something. It says they healed their sick. And, you know, I've never noticed that before in this text. You know, you read a text that's very familiar to you. Your brain starts taking over and you say, yeah, I heard this one. It says the people were very sick. And I thought, why are the people sick? And I looked into different commentators that talked about this particular text. And one was Warren Carter, a professor of New Testament in Texas. He said, the world of the first century Roman Empire was marked by significant inequalities concerning food access. Many people knew food insecurity and struggled on a daily and seasonal basis for ad adequate food and nutrition. And of course, if you don't eat enough food, much less enough healthy food, it's going to have a serious impact on your health. And it's hard to focus on anything when you're hungry. For three years, I volunteered at Thomas E. Kearns Elementary, which is right there on Interstate 85 uh, by, I believe it's Southside High School, looking down on 85. And it, I was with the same child for three years, so second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Or, no, third, fourth, fifth. And we would talk about different concepts that he was struggling with, primarily math. Of course, I could hang with him in third grade and fourth grade math. and fifth grade math, I was starting to think, I'm going to I'm gonna have to get a new kid who's starting off in kindergarten uh, so we can talk about some concepts that I've got a firm grasp on. But we would talk for 15, 20 minutes before he ate lunch, then eat lunch together, and then try to finish off whatever concept it was so that he could go back to his classroom. And it was hard to pay attention for those first 15 minutes. He was just sort of wiry. He was focused. He, you know, he'd look off in the distance. And I thought, you know, if you had five or six of these children in your classroom as you were trying to get something done, that would be very difficult for you and for them. But then he would eat. And we'd just talk while he ate. And then he was a totally different person after he ate. That was his primary meal that day. And it just sort of sunk in with me. My goodness. It's difficult to do anything when you're hungry. Not just like I haven't had a snack in a couple hours, but I haven't had a significant meal in a couple days. Verse 15 says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. I get this entirely. Because as um, Katie will tell you, I will torture my family with obsessing about details at events of which I have no involvement. I don't, I'm not concerned about uh, the message necessarily, but that there are enough chairs and that there are enough cups and that there are enough snacks or whatever it may be when I, I'm just a participant. But there's so many times I'm in church and I'm thinking, are there enough of this? Are there enough of that? Because if there aren't enough, no matter what we did that day, that's all they're going to remember is that we didn't have it. So the disciples, just as I would say, I know that you're teaching them tremendous things. I know this, this has been a great day. But we have no food and they are going to get very grumpy with us. Send them out to get their own food. The great thing is that it's noted that they are out in the middle of nowhere. It's a remote place. 
And this is significant for two reasons. One, the anxiety of the 12 disciples thinking we in no way, shape, or form are going to have enough to do anything that we want to do with these people. But how that directly ties back to the Old Testament. Each Gospel tells a story very similar about Jesus' life, but they also have a particular slant. And Matthew's particular slant is to tie Jesus to the Old Testament and say He is a continuation of everything you've ever discussed. He might be interpreting it in a new way, but He is a continuation of what y'all have already been doing. He's not a different direction that you're abandoning everything you've ever known. And so how's that connected? Moses took the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. They were, on their way some, they were on their way to something else. And out there, they got the Ten Commandments. Out there, they learned a lot more about each other. Out there, they were on the way to the Promised Land. And out there, they did what? They said, we don't have enough food. We brought us out here to die. Slavery was awesome compared to being here and being hungry. How many tribes were there? Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. How many people were grumpy that there wasn't enough food? D, all of them. How many people were grumpy in the New Testament? D, all of them. The author of Matthew wants to make it crystal clear that Jesus is doing things that the people of the Old Testament did with the people of God with the very, very significant point that God has been helping God's people since day one, providing for them. Verse 16 says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up how many basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over? Twelve. Twelve basketfuls of extra food that was left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So probably a little more than 5,000. Double plus one. So unless we believe that we need God on a daily basis, unless we believe that all people are being are worthy of being fed in the name of God, not these people are worthy because we feel like they've done what we feel like a person should do in order to get this thing or they've done whatever we require of them. They're worthy of being fed in the name of God just as the people in Exodus were worthy, just as the people in Matthew are worthy, just as our people today are worthy. Unless we believe in the power of the table, which is a double entendre. The table out there in the wilderness feeding the people but also a very significant table that will follow this story. Do you notice the terminology, the language that was used when what Jesus did with the food? He took it and He looked to God and He broke it and He gave it to the people. 
just like communion. Unless we believe that we have more than enough. And that's a hard concept to sell. Because no matter how much we have, we figure, I don't know, something else could come along. And there's nothing greater than the fear that you won't have enough food for whatever the thing is. Remember the guy that had the awesome harvest? What did he want to do? Dang this. Storehouse isn't big enough back there. Let's, let's make an even bigger one. That way we can be certain that we'll have enough. So two very distinct parties happening very close to one another with two entirely different people in two entirely different places. A king with everything, probably throwing away a bunch of it and eliminating a person who stood against him. And a king out in the wilderness who had very little, who didn't seek very much, who wanted to give it away to anyone that would come. Fascinating. These two feasts. These two stories that are driven by food. We must believe we need God. We must believe that we're worthy of being fed, that others are as well. We must believe in the power of the table. And we must believe that we have more than enough. If we do so, the people of Greer and our greater community will be fed in the name of God. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have fed your people in their homes, in their worship spaces, in the middle of nowhere, in their new land, in their um, scattering throughout the lands, in their returning, in our worshiping here today as the continuation of the story. Help us, Lord, to believe in the power of the table and the way of which we can impact others. Amen. Please stand as you're able as we sing our final hymn, number 160.
Yeah.